Welcome to Dwarf Fortress Roundtable, the podcast for all things dwarfy. I'm Jonathan. I'm Roland. I'm Tony. And, um... <laughs> we are so excited to talk about <laughs> a new feature that we all think would be amazing and horrible. Oh, so. uh, yeah. And I gotta tell you, we released this last episode today. Uh, I released it just before we started recording. And editing that particular episode, I feel that it would be a good thing for us to start this episode with 10 seconds of Dancing Llama music. Dancing Llama music? Why? What? What is a Dancing Llama music? That episode that I released uh, today was pretty dark. <laughs> there was a lot of time spent on on how horribly difficult zombies are. So, <laughs> I don't know if it was because of our mood with uh, with the uh, the things that are going on in the in the in the world. I almost said the country, but the whole world today. But uh, so I thought that I'd open this episode with something lighthearted and frivolous. Done. So, but yeah, we were talking about wondering if Tarn would get the idea to implement a plague that was spread by asymptomatic dwarves or goblins or whatever for a, a period of time before they realized that they had it. Procedurally generated. Do you think Cody's going to see this and just be like, you know what I should do? I should implement a plague feature in Dwarf Fortress where... There can be mysterious plagues that drift across the land. And that's something well, that we have to worry about. Well, it has that kind of in uh, evil biomes. Kind of in the evil biomes. Like, isn't it like some sort of nasty cloud can like take you away or whatever? Isn't there something like that? Yeah, yeah well, it can turn, turn your people into zombies. Turn your people into zombies. Yeah, because yeah. I'm thinking he could do like, you know, somebody could, migrant could come to your fort and be asymptomatic for a certain period of time and then... Oh, God. <laughs> Never mind. Forget I'm even talking about this. It's too that, real. It's too real, that man. It's too real. a new fortress ending threat, and I absolutely hate the idea, but I would love to play it. <laughs> exactly. Like, you know, if, you're, if you have a, depending on the procedurally generated bug, you know, it could be a seven-day, you know, somebody could be asymptomatic and spreading, and then how would you tell people who are infected? How would you do quarantines? How would you, you know, geez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The oh. merchant caravan comes to tell you of a plague across the lands, and you have to, like, shut down your borders for a certain period of time. I don't know. Biological warfare becomes possible with Roland's forts. I don't know. <laughs> 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 he, he starts sending his infected people over to the other elven forest retreats and well, I don't know, I can see this going kind of wild. Yeah, so absolutely terrifying. Hey. But, on the other hand, your, um, what's it called, Chief Medical would have something to do for once. Exactly, yeah. See, there you go. Like, mandatory vaccines you have to create in your fortress to make sure that everybody is safe. Hmm. I don't know that that jives with their 1400 limit though because no, vaccines were not, not yeah yeah they uh, they would just die it's a dwarven science would you like eat some rotten plump 
you know, like plump helmet starts to spoil and the dwarves realize that it has antimicrobial traits and it starts to spoil. Wait, <laughs> <laughs> crate it up. Or they All eat right. the particular plump helmets that make them see funny things and make the walls breathe. <laughs> there was a movie that was like that just recently called Fantastic Fungi, which seemed like it'd be this awesome thing on mushrooms and of course i'm like oh plump helmets this could be fun and you start watching it it's pretty cool at first and then all of a sudden it goes straight up to like sergeant pepper's lonely hearts club it's like wackyville you know they're like and then you can eat this mushroom and life is good and everything's happy and you'll be and i was like oh okay so maybe we'll leave that little tidbit on the cutting room floor um so roland i think you were talking about looking for some inspiration for your upcoming fort yes did you get inspired um I mean, I kind of got inspired by the name generator itself because it said something about relic cheese. And I was like, oh, oh, you want me to make a cheese fortress? Okay, oh. we can do that. And it's now called Relic Breakfast, the dank basement of cheese. Um, <sighs> because, you know, aging cheese in a dank basin. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> I started with uh, like a lot of water buffaloes and just dug out a little fortress in the second cavern layer and stuff uh, because I wanted to uh, have my water buffaloes down in the fortress itself and not on top somewhere. Can they live underground? If you have a flooded area and like underground grass and crops are growing there, then they can uh, graze. Yes, um, it's it's not as effective as like open air pastures, but it works. It works. But when I dug down, I managed to find a adamantine spire that right. is not ten. Not 20, not 40. No, it's 87 tiles upwards. It's Good a massive adamantine spire, and it's almost completely mineable. So Cool. I've never heard of one that's that big. That's, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, the only other spire I know of that is even bigger is the Dwarven... Heaven Spire or something. It was somebody that embarked and a massive Edmantine Spire came out of the earth itself and spiked into the sky. So it was like, I don't know, like 200 Z levels. Holy cow. But that was definitely a bug. And How many Z levels are there? I mean, uh, upward, upward. How many Z levels above ground level can you can you do? Does anybody know? Uh, I mean, somebody definitely knows, but I don't. <laughs> um, I never done any like projects that go way up. I mean, in I, Minecraft, you get to I think it's like eighty something Z levels above the ocean oh, or something like that, oh, oh. and you end up hitting the ceiling. That, that's like two hundred years ago, man. What is? Um, Minecraft now has also like a, a, I wanted to say Z level, but yeah, you know, whatever. Um, like a maximum height of uh, 250 blocks or something. Oh, okay. My bad. I am indeed a number of years behind when it comes to Minecraft because I haven't played it in <laughs> years. So. I'd say I prefer the original. Where you have a ceiling? So much so. 
I don't know where you have dwarves and you're building them a fortress. <laughs> I'm a purist. I guess so. Otherwise, we probably wouldn't be uh, would be chatting here on this podcast. You got it. <laughs> my my cheese fortress. It seems that um, I will have a cheese fortress that also has massive amounts of adamantine, and it's so much that, that I don't know what to do with it. I have. Uh, two squads fully armed with all Edmantine gear and weapons. And at this point, I'm just starting to make metal clothing and like metal backpacks and metal doors and, you know, whatever. <laughs> I just have so much of it um, that we basically now have like an Edmantine cheese factory where we put, we make cheese and put it in Edmantine barrels and ship it all. Oh my God. <laughs> well, I have an idea what you can do with all of that Edmantine uh, and cheese. So what's the uh, what's the the utility that you can use to take 3D pictures of your uh, of your fortress? Is that Armok Vision? Yeah, or, or Stone Sense, it depends. Stone Sense, yeah, that's too, right? If you look in the podcast topics, I have put in the next to the last link Mm-hmm. Is is a JPEG that links back to the the Dwarf Fortress wiki, and I will put this in the show notes. But I think that something like that is what you should do with your uh, with your cheese and adamantine. Have a external. Ooh. That is a an amazing tower. Uh, so if, for people who are who can't see this because it's an audio medium, we're looking at a tower called Road Truss. And it has it's it's a feature picture today on the Dwarf Fortress Dwarf Fortress Wiki uh, homepage, and it's got a very tall tower. I would say probably I don't know fifty, sixty, maybe more uh, Z levels tall, surrounded by a fifteen Z level tall fence that is enclosing a courtyard. It's absolutely beautiful. It's topped with gold. It looks like, and it has. Uh, some dwarf fortress symbology uh, embedded into the sides of the of the tower. So before I even knew that you were doing a cheese and adamantine fortress, <laughs> I thought that if you were looking for something to do, that that you should do something above ground that's impressive looking and then take a picture of it. So if you're looking at that picture, is that with Armok Vision or with Stone Sense? Um, this really looks like Stone Sense. But it actually doesn't really matter what you use. Uh, you can use both. So either um, one would give you a could give you a screenshot like that. Yes. Okay. Um, but I think Stone Sense is better for like several Z levels, while Armok Vision just gives you like five up, five down, something like that. Um, oh yeah. Okay. But uh, yes, you are right. This is definitely like a mega project. And um, I can see that he has some very light blue cyan blocks uh, everywhere. So I, I, I think this is actually at one time that he used in his tower, which is such a waste. But oh, man. Um, well, making cheese barrels isn't. <laughs> <laughs> Adamantine cheese Fair. barrels. What would you think would fit to a cheesemaker fortress? Like a massive windmill? But that's hard, man. <laughs> a mass, yeah, you can be like Dwarven Holland. 
Yeah. Do they make cheese in Holland? Sure. Yeah. I mean, they make cheese in Wisconsin too, but but uh, is I know they're known for wooden shoes, right? <laughs> Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> Holland is what I was thinking of. I was going to say, I've been to Wisconsin. I didn't see many w- wooden shoes, but, you know, I don't want to talk out of turn, upset anybody. <laughs> Maybe it's their thing. I don't know. Um, yes, it's definitely something I should consider. The only mega project that I tried to do when, while focusing on, like, the looks on uh, Stone Sands was when I tried to make a ship, like an ark, in the water where my dwarves lived on. But damn, that looked really bad. <laughs> Did it leak? Um, no, it uh, worked perfectly. It just looked really, really ugly because I don't know how to like build good-looking things. Yeah. That looks a lot like the Chrysler building. Not the Chrysler building, the uh, Empire State building, hmm. the uh, the road truss. Now that I look at it a little bit better, it looks like the, the topmost levels of the Empire State building. Do you think that you can like get on top of this tower and just throw goblins down? It looks to me like there are... Maybe those are trees. I thought that they were, uh, that they were archers that were posted up there. And it, it did make me wonder, if you have an archer at a level that high... Can they no, actually no. fire at something that is Mm-mm. down 40 Z-levels below them? Nope. That's a trick question. They could throw their crossbows, which seems to be their best method of defense. Or themselves. Or themselves, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's an archer we're talking about, for God's sakes. Uh, but, but no, I don't think they can do that, because the shooting range is the same uh, when they shoot down it's the very same shooting range as when they would shoot up or just sideways gotcha gotcha okay i haven't gotten into siege engines at all but uh, if you could catapult something from off there mm, i mean is there a catapult siege engine yes there no. is how does it um, work is it is is it is it is it worth exploring do you think or is it one of those things like archers where you're like, well, maybe it'll work or maybe they'll just crash the siege engine into the invaders and call it good. Well, good thing is the siege engine is not movable, so they cannot run into the enemies with it. So that's <laughs> oh, wonderful. Plus. That's, a, that's a bonus. There are two siege engines. One is a catapult, which I think is kind of boring because, you know, you shoot stones. Why? Yes, okay, if the stone hits somebody, that somebody is not really fully functional anymore. Would they be mauled? They they would be smashed, like, really badly. Like, ooh, pulp. You know, you, you can put it here, him into a glass and serve him as marmalade. Ouch. But uh, the other siege engine is the ballista, which is, you know, shooting a giant arrow. And uh, that is really devastating because the arrow doesn't really stop at the first person it hits, but it shoots through the entirety of a siege sometimes. So it can hit like 20 people at once, uh, but it can also hit your dwarfs and the catapult doesn't. So that's... hmm. I'm trying to remember who we were talking with 
One of our guests, I believe it was one of our guests or one of somebody's guests, spoke at length about using a catapult, smashing things into a wall and having them fall straight down into a trench to get rid of them for Hmm. Actually, that may have been on Reddit uh, for my question about my asthma problem that I had uh, a few months ago. But anyway, does do either of you remember that? And am, am I just you know fabricating this out of thin air? You are not mixing it up with uh, the water cannon. No, no. This is I distinctly remember having a catapult throw something into the wall so that whenever it fell straight down, you could have basically a quantum stockpile that way. And now that I'm mm. thinking about it a little further, I'm thinking more that I either I read it or Alexi talked about it at one point. Anyway, that was another use of catapults, though, and that's where I actually first heard of catapults being used, was to throw stones directly into a wall and letting them fall down into a trench to make a type of quantum stockpile. Hmm. Yeah, they'll pile up and the, they'll hit the wall, fall straight down into the trench, and that spot will never fill up. Kind of, I don't know. Um... Another experiment that I have never tried myself, but have obviously <laughs> heard about, though I uh, apologize to whoever it was that um, that told me about it, because... If if it indeed is one of our guests or someone who's a listener, uh, let me know in the in the show comments, and I will give you proper credit. Okay, I have a question. I actually have a couple of questions. So, um, have you guys done any sort of glass manufacturing at scale? And if so, what's the what's the best way to keep the whole bag situation under control? Because I keep getting this. You don't have any empty bags for your sand. Mm -hmm. I mean, yes, I do like the glass industry, mostly because it's like free stuff. Um, But yeah, the bag situation. The thing is, I tend to just overdo it on bags. So like, oh, you want like two bags? Okay, I'm going to go ahead and make like 20. Uh, So you can overdo it, but that's just you know, an overkill in this situation. The best way is the manager just to make sure that are both always filled and used at the same time. So as soon as the dwarf fills your sandbag, it immediately gets used to make glass and then it gets refilled again. So this is like a straight circle. And uh, then you can actually work with uh, just a few bags, but you have to use the manager and just give the manager a, what's it called? An never ending order, an infinitive order. Yeah, infinite order. Yeah. Um, To say like collect sand and then like make glass stature or something. Oh, okay. So if you put it in a manager queue, so you're like always collect sand, always make glass, always make clear glass or whatever at the base, they'll yeah. basically just kind of do that. Oh, I see. I was about to do it. And then of course I always have the game up while we're recording and I was about to try that. And now a desert Titan, a huge blob composed of flame has come and mm-hmm. all of my supporting infrastructure is made of wood up on the ground. So this nice. is going to go well. Uh, one more thing about the glass industry. Yeah. It works best if you 
put all the if you go into the label selection uh, with I think it's O and just turn all notifications off, just all of them. Then suddenly your glass manufactory works perfectly. Oh. Say that again. You go into the label selection and mm -hmm. turn the notifications off. So you as a player don't get spammed with, we don't have bags, because you clearly do. They just have to wait like two ticks. Oh, right. Those two it's... ticks, they spam uh... you. And then just turn it off. I've I've played like several months without any notifications. It works fine. And as soon as you don't see like the bad stuff happening behind the, the scene, suddenly it's like, well, suddenly my fort goes well. Uh, okay. <laughs> so basically, the notification cancels the activity or suspends it, right? Uh, no, not really. But you know. You just don't see it. You just don't see the nonsense. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I wonder if that works for tunneling through wet, wet stuff. Because I always, I just have so many problems. Like that. That's one of my challenges with light aquifers now. Is that trying to mine out a section of a light aquifer? Like every single time, you have to like pause, redelegate. Pause, oh yeah, that, pause, that will still happen. Though. Oh my god! Can we please fix yeah, that? It's, <laughs> it's really bad. I've heard you can mod it in the uh, init file somewhere. Um, I feel like I did that one time because I killed a fort with um, lava one time because I did that, and I was mm. like, "Oh, well, I guess that's what that was for." Um, well, that makes sense now, but it, at the time, can, I needed to disable it. <laughs> if you're using uh, one of the LMPs, uh, one of the options is to turn off. Pause yeah. on damp tile. So it will still say like they stop digging in the tile, but it just won't pause at that time. Ah, uh, gotcha. So they'll yeah, basically dig around pause. it. You just don't have to hit your your yeah, space yeah, they, bar over exactly. and over again. You just have to you don't turn off the actual intelligence of your dwarfs, uh, so they <laughs> dig into like freaking lava, but um, they will still dig around it. They just don't stop cancer. They they will not stop the game. Well, you know that's that's a nice uh, compromise though, because the biggest annoyance to me is the fact that you have to re unpause the game every mm -hmm. you know fifty times to get them to. So if you could at one point get them to dig around the entire uh, aquifer that they're trying to hide from the damp area, uh, and then you come back in after they have dug all that they can dig. And then redesignate those. You might be able to do it in a, in a couple rounds rather than doing it over and over and over again. I don't know. It's going to be helpful, I think. I'm going to, as soon as my Desert Titan situation is sorted out, it's off to the glass mines for me. We were talking about a, uh, a guy who was doing the, the, the dev, the, the DF hack modding or development on Twitch. I actually have a link for that. One of our listeners, uh, TKR101010, which nice. is that? It's a 2, 8, that's 10, 16, 32, 32, and 10, 4. Is that TKR42? That sounds like huh. a Star Wars thing, like a Stormtrooper name. Yes. <laughs> I think 101010 is 42 in binary. I, I don't know, man. I, I trust you here. 
So he uh, posted the link to this Ben Lubar, who is apparently the DF hack uh, developer that has been doing that streaming on Twitch. And there are probably 20, 30 videos there of him doing DF hack development. It is pretty awesome and way, way over my head. (laughs) Of course, I came in to a uh, session way past the middle of it so he uh he was actually doing some troubleshooting on some xml that apparently there was some uh xml fields that that uh weren't being properly closed so there was uh, a couple of fields that were off a couple of uh of a uh, column positions because of uh some xml situations but anyway so yeah it's it looked pretty uh pretty neat and it will be neat to, to dig into that a little bit more i'd have no idea how uh, how layman like he gets with it because whenever he was doing the the uh, the editing on the video that I watched, it was not explaining things. He was just talking out loud and thinking out loud while he was actually doing his work. It was pretty cool to see though. That's cool. I love all the novel ways to play the game, whether they be playing the game or hacking the game and making it fun for everyone else. Like that's cool. <laughs> that's really awesome. So thank you, TKR42, if that's how you want to be your name to be pronounced, <laughs> for sending us that link. We'll put it in the show notes so that people can check it out. Oh, and we were talking a lot about zombies last time. And uh, there was, uh, we were talking about the fact that the zombies have their stats tripled uh, whenever they become undead. Uh, from what they actually the, the the sentient beings have their stats tripled whenever they become undead. Apparently, yeah. at one time in the past, it was even worse than that. Oh, gee! Uh, if you uh, take a look at the undead article on Dwarf Fortress Wiki, under the traits, they talk that it was actually made not quite so extreme at version forty two point oh five. So. Uh, few years ago it was it was lessened so uh if these are the easier zombies then they would really be fortress killers before 4205 huh. yep but all of the things that we were talking about last time i think are, are valid because i think that the zombies are more driven now all that stuff makes them tougher beyond just their their statistics so this is interesting to me. I've never really dealt with this before, but apparently when a fire sweeps through above ground, it doesn't destroy your wooden walls and wooden fortifications. So that's nice. Or at least this fire didn't. Mm. So that's happy. Yeah, it depends on the heat of the fire itself. <laughs> Did oh. you have some magma get away from you? No. It, well, actually, never mind that. Just burned down my drawbridge. Oopsie doopsie. That's not good. That's going to hurt. Now I had a fire prairie titan or whatever come to town, do some nasty stuff here. It looks like Prodexus Arant released a 47.04 uh, revision one package That's for, the uh, for LNP. And uh, there was an announcement just before that, that Thurin had released his 47.04 Windows 64 starter pack. Uh, but that got pulled uh, shortly thereafter. I'm not. I'm not sure why, but hmm. I know that 
that on Reddit, uh, Dev had mentioned that Thurin needed to be careful about all the work that he's doing because Prodexus Arant may say, here, you take it over. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. It came, it, I mean, it's cool. Like things are starting to finally gel for 4704. And I know that the DF hack stuff's taken a lot more work and a lot more time. So definitely thumbs up to people who are working on it. And I know Klinodev had put together a few of the packs for us lazy folks, um, you know, to use until the formal starter packs came out. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I really do appreciate the, I, I could learn how to do the, all that stuff manually, but I'm so thankful that there are people out there who are making utilities and tools so that I don't have to. So cool. Yeah. Okay, what else we got today here? Um, oh, have either of you taken a look at the Bay 12 report for April, on April 1st? Most noticeably, oh, the, no. <laughs> the, the item that Threeto um, gave in his prosaic verbiage that he puts there, it's usually that the report will be first, will be Threeto has, has a beautiful prose uh, paragraph, and then Toady will give the stats for the month. At least uh, I will read the part that I'm that really interested me. It says, um, For those that can find their way in the backward darkness, help is on the way for you, too. You may be able to read ASCII and masterfully work your way through a maze of dehumanizing menus, but taste the future. There are changes coming that will reframe the reality of your lives. Which that to me says that they are currently working on redesigning the menu system. I think it, I think it was posted on April 1st, so I'm not really sure what to think of that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I am skeptical about that. My hopes say, please, but I mean, it's April 1st. Come on. It could be anything. Yeah. yeah perhaps, but... Um, if it were posted on, you know, let's say April 2nd or March 31st, I would be suddenly very interested in this. Yeah, but literally any other day. but Literally any other day. Yeah. Okay, call me gullible, but... Gullible. Okay, yeah, but, but I buy it because they always release the report on the first day of the month. Yeah, oh, okay. All right. Yeah, fair I mean, enough. true, but uh, they both have, like, a sense of humor, and I could see them, like, playing us like this. <laughs> okay, well, we'll see. Hey, uh, what, have they done in the past? what have they done in the past? That's what we could look at, because there was an April 1st last year, too. Really? I, I mean, I'm. I don't. I can't remember. I can't remember anything past the start of Shelter in Place. To be perfectly honest with you, but okay, um, I got to pull it up here now. So, um, uh, a twelve dwarves, and I'm going to go to that would be twenty nineteen dash oh four dash oh one. Okay, the Bay Twelve report. For that date is um, the time has come for victory. It's obvious you have seen this through death, though death comes for us all, striking those at random like a pestilence of old. 
We do what we can to soldier on. When together we stand, anything is possible, even a project like Dwarf Fortress, which by itself has no clear reason for its survival in this ever-shifting world. The only reason we have made it this far is your dedication to the cause. Stay with us and we will bring you that which we that which only we can give. Transcendental amusement. Congratulations to the generous three toes. So that is not jokey at all. Hmm. So that Confusing. is a very serious uh, times are tough and thank you for supporting Dwarf Fortress. And <laughs> times are tougher now, at least for the whole world perhaps, than it was one year ago on April 1st, 2019. Don't get my hopes up, please. <laughs> so, I don't I don't see that as an April Fool's joke. I see it as they're probably doing some work. And, look, that would be, um, that would probably be Three Toes Wheelhouse. So, yeah. Sounds cool so. to me. I'm, I'm down. I love it. So, mm-hmm. so Three uh, Toes, if you're listening to this, were you serious? Or were you <laughs> April Fooling us? <laughs> Anybody got anything else that they want to chat about? Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about my fortress, right? That's right. That is one of the things that I want to ask about. Yeah, and I wanted to give like a quick update on that. Um. My fortress now is consistent of all necromancers. I mean, except for the kids. Kids can't read. But um, the rest of them are all necromancers. And uh, we had like 10, 20, uh, maybe 30 uh, very, very well-skilled military dwarves. So both like spear dwarfs and axe dwarfs and stuff. And I thought of what to do with it. Like maybe throw all of them at goblins, maybe throw all of them against elves. Uh, Maybe just wall them in and see what happens. But honestly, I decided to not do anything of that. Instead, I've decided to make it into legend and uh, see what will happen in the future with this fortress, how this, these fairly normal people that now have like gotten a new power uh, will, will act. Uh, I think they will maybe continue in their normal dwarven ways. But the one thing I can already say is I checked on them again. Like it's, been two and a half years in in game time so not a lot of time but in that time uh, two forgotten beasts came to the, uh, to the fortress both were killed by my um, my military dwarfs and one of them got resurrected uh, so they uh, is now a resurrected under forgotten beast and uh, oh. ooh, yeah they're not good. I had that happen. Um, yeah. We, the Forgotten Beast, did so much damage. Finally, we got it under control. And then the Necromancer rest it. And it made it even harder to kill. And finally, I yeah. locked it in the dining room and panicked. <laughs> not the dining room. But yeah, <laughs> well, yes, dining absolutely. And I yeah. felt that uh, not all Necromancer zombies are loyal to all Necromancers, but just 
normally their own necromancers, so to say. So what this means is basically that I cannot retire my fortress, uh, unretire my fortress, or else I basically have a massive rampant forgotten beast somewhere in the fortress that will kill all dwarves that it sees, possibly. What's the name of this fortress? Do you remember? I gave it some some special name. Um, I can't remember. Oh my god! For the next uh, for the next episode, uh, if you don't mind, try to look up what the name of the fortress is. Well, 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 well. We we can find that out. Assuming that you're going to be continuing your play in this world and checking back in on this fortress every few years, it'll be really neat to hear updates from this necromancer fortress as it's continuing on through you know the world generation mechanism rather than your direct control. Crystalheim. I knew it. Crystalheim. Crystalheim. H-A-I-M? Um, yeah. Cool. That's a nice name. Uh, for, yeah. Be, uh, Fortress actually, of Pure Evil. Yeah, I actually <laughs> wanted to make uh, a bit of glass industry stuff until I found out that I apparently have only clay. Um, yeah. So it was called Crystalheim. And now Crystalheim is a legendary fortress of evil. Ooh, well, you know, you got to be adaptable. You start off <laughs> wanting to build glass, but you can't do that, so you build evil. <laughs> I mean, same thing. The elves think so. What is it? The elves hate green glass? Is that right? Oh, do they? Or is it they hate clear glass? The elves hate clear, a particular kind glass. of glass. What's clear that? Clear glass. Clear glass. They hate because clear they hate glass. glass. Oh, yeah, clear glass because glass. yeah, no, no, um, because in clear glass is like what was it, potash or something to make it clear, and that's made uh, of uh, out of ash, and that is made of wood. Um, so they they hate it. They, they like green glass. But yeah, if you try to sell them uh, clear glass, they will uh, you know just not deal with you anymore, and you will be on their list. <laughs> yeah, they will get offended and like. Get this stuff out of my face, man. There's dead trees in it. Well, great. Um, uh, that was uh, the other thing that I was wanting to, to cover is I, was, I wanted to ask if you had yet had a siege of that fortress to try to wipe out, uh, you know, 200 goblins at once with your necromancers. Sadly, no. Um, I waited a bit for that to happen, but uh, the goblins seem to be more concerned with another dwarven fortress to my south. So, like, every season they send goblins and armies to the south, uh, to the southern fort and not to me. And I kept raiding them and I kept killing goblins and they didn't care. So I just went on and retired it because, you know, like, I'm not going to wait, like, two more years. Tony, you got anything else that you'd like to cover? I don't think so. I think I'm knowing now about my glass factories. I'll, I'm going to start. Everything's going glass now. Cool. <laughs> All right. So, uh, oh, you know, one, one, one thing. I'm sorry, but one thing. No, that's fine. Um, I have to say because of glass, uh, Tony, you have to make at least one terrarium and then make a few animal traps, then try to catch vermin at least like seven to 10 different kinds of vermin, like not the very same. You don't need like 
10 worms, but like 10 different kind of worms. And then you take the 10 different worming things and put it into one single terrarium and put it into your tavern. The boom, you have a dwarven disco. You know why? Because the, the little dots of the vermin that shows what is in the uh, terrarium will start to cycle through the different kind of vermin and they all have different colors. And because you have like 10 vermin in it, it starts to go really, really fast. <laughs> and then you have like a small light show in your tavern. It goes like, oots, 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 oots. so <laughs> that's something you should do. Oh, dwarven house music. <laughs> oh, dwarves. So that's going to wrap up this episode of Dwarf Fortress Roundtable. Everybody wash your hands. Keep your social distancing up or actually your physical distancing up because uh, yeah, this is pretty cool. We have never been within a thousand miles of each other, any of us, Tony, myself and Roland. But uh, but we are definitely not social distancing. We are physically distancing. Yeah. And I don't yeah. think that we're going to catch COVID from each other. So. <laughs> no, I'm not going to. I'm not going to think that that's likely yet. Everybody, keep physical distance, but get socially closer. And we'll catch you next time on Dwarf Fortress Roundtable. Have a good one. Bye-bye. See you guys. This has been Dwarf Fortress Roundtable, the podcast for all things dwarfy. You can find all our past episodes at dfroundtable.com. Please stop by and leave a comment or suggestion in the comments section for this episode. While you're there, you can subscribe to Dwarf Fortress Roundtable or find us in the podcast service of your choice. Music for this episode is from filmmusic.io. Sky Q. Ellen and Folk Round are both by Kevin McLeod. You can find more music from Kevin McLeod at incompetech.com. Please consider donating to the creators of Dwarf Fortress at bay12games.com. If you'd like to help support Dwarf Fortress Roundtable, you can find us on Patreon. Links to all of these are in the show notes.